We're going to be in Romans 16 this morning. Romans 16. Real quick, a couple things here. Just want to uh, remind you about. I had some notes given to me. Um, hey, we need to have the graduates. We need to get a picture after the service, please. So if you're graduating and we honored you today, we want to make sure that we get a picture of you after the service. Also, a quick announcement here. Um, we have a wedding coming up at church here in August. Uh, Abby Lammers and Abe are going to be getting married, and there's going to be a uh, bridal shower Saturday, June 9th. Saturday, June 9th, 2012, from 2 to 4 out here at church. Saturday, June 9th, 2012, from 2 to 4 out here at church, and the church is invited to that. And I will put that up on the back bulletin board, and so that way you guys can have that to uh, hopefully be able to make it to. And one last thing, I was told as I was given that, speaking of the Lammers family, it's also Kathy's birthday. So happy birthday, Kathy. And if you're keeping track, that was more applause than the 8-year-old got. I'm just making sure that we keep everything on the level there. Romans 16 this morning, Romans 16. We are going to be finishing up Romans next week. We have two studies left here in our book of Romans. I have no idea when we first started Romans, um, but I believe it was in 05, if I remember correctly. So, Romans 16. Now, we're going to do an interesting study today, because next week is going to be our classic verse-by-verse study that we normally do here in Romans, and we'll finish it up. And there's some great verses here in Romans. Uh, verse 17, I urge you, brethren, note those who cause division and offenses and avoid them. Verse 20, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Some great verses. But what we're going to do here today is Paul, and he does this in some of his epistles, is when he gets to the final chapter through the Spirit, he has a tendency to have personal greetings to a lot of people. And a lot of times we just kind of skip over this stuff. Their names we're not familiar with. A lot of them, especially here in Romans 16, they're only mentioned once in the Bible. We don't have a lot of background information on them. Um, we don't know how to pronounce them. We just kind of move over it. Well, here in Romans 16, there's over 30 different people mentioned. Over 30 different people. So what I went through is I looked up all the different names and what they mean and represent. And I picked 10 names. Picked 10 names that I think have some really neat picture of different things here with Christianity. So what we're going to do here, we're going to do the study a little bit different this morning. We're going to go through, instead of doing the verse by verse, we'll get that next week, is we're just going to look at these different names of people that are mentioned. So, and for each one... We'll tell you what the name means, tell you the representation of it, and then we have another passage we're going to go and compare that name to. So, with that being said, always remember, when it comes to names in the Bible, names generally mean something. Generally, nowadays, when people pick a name for their child, it doesn't have a whole lot of deep meaning. Oh, I like this name. Maybe it has some family history there. These names really carried a picture of who this person was, their personality, etc., and how God used them. So it's really neat to see this. So the first names we're going to look at, is going to be found in verse 14. It says, Greet Asancritus, Philigon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. Now those are names that have not really caught on too much in naming your kids. There's two names we want to look at there in verse 14. Hermes and Hermes. Now, if you're up on your Roman gods and goddesses, these were different names. The name Hermes is named after the Roman god Mercury, and the name Hermes actually means herald of the gods, little g. Now, Mercury, he was the messenger of the gods. And that's why the planet Mercury is named for that, because it goes so quick around the sun. That idea, that curing, that idea of swiftness. So we have Hermes and Hermes. So when early church people would come meet Hermes and Hermes, they would stop and say, wait a second, you guys are named after Roman gods, and yet you are here at church? The equivalent would be if somebody came in church and named their kid Beelzebub, or something like that, or... Meet my son Buddha. I mean, it would just be a little like, why did you name your kid after a false deity, false god? Well, this is where it gets interesting. 
Turn if you to Philippians, please, chapter 3. See, here's the thing about Hermes and Hermes. I, I think they're a neat representation of a lot of times we bring a lot of junk into our relationship with Christ. And there's a lot of times that the things that we've done in the past, the people we were in the past, the choices we made in the past, they have a tendency to follow us. And so Hermes and Hermes, I don't know what their life was like before the Lord. I think we can safely make the assumption they were not raised by Christian parents. We can probably safely make the assumption they were not raised in a Christian home. And so here they are having these names that honor false gods. Now, there would be a point in me that would say, well, Hermes and Hermes, come on, now you're walking with the Lord. Come on, get your name changed. They didn't. So anytime someone talked to them, oh, you're named after Mercury, the god Mercury. I love Mercury. He's right up there with Jupiter. He's just one of my favorite gods. Oh, no, I don't serve those gods. Yeah, but you're named after Mercury. They kept that. Now, look here at Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. It says, Not that I have already obtained, I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Now, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, very simply put, I put the past behind me and I move forward in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul, if anybody could say that, that would have to be Paul. You remember Paul's history. Paul, when he first got saved, his name was Saul. Saul's job was to round up Christians and have them killed. That's what Paul did. So anytime we read about Paul here in the Bible, you have to remember, before he got saved, his job was rounding up Christians and killing them. That's what he did. So when he comes and says, hey, you've got to put the past behind you and move forward, he's not just saying it, he's living it. I heard a pastor say one time, he goes, can't you imagine every time Paul got a chance to spread the gospel? Can't you imagine the mind battle that the enemy put him in? Paul used to kill these people. You would round these people up. You would round up kids and adults and have them killed for proclaiming Jesus. And here you are proclaiming Christ, right? But he had to go through. In fact, when Saul first got saved and became Paul, the early church didn't believe him. They said, this is an act. He's just trying to do this to infiltrate the church to get more people. So when he says these passages right here, if you've got to put the past behind you and move forward, he's meaning it. And when he says, guys, in verse 12, highly paraphrased, I'm not perfect. I think of Hermes and Hermes, obviously named after Roman gods, obviously carrying some baggage there from the past. And instead of trying to run from it, they're accepting that fact of what their name is and they're moving forward in Christ. But what does this have to do with the church? Because what we try to do out here at church is we try to hide our past as best as we possibly can. We don't want anybody to know that this isn't my first marriage. We don't want anybody to know that I really have four kids and I only bring two to church. We don't want anybody to know that I did some time before for something pretty stupid. I don't want anybody to know the stupid mistakes I made, the people I hung out with. I don't want anybody to know about my Hermes and my Hermes past. So I'm just going to change my name, be a totally new person, so that way when you come and see me at church, you're just going to assume I have it all figured out just like everybody else sitting here. What a bunch of baloney. We all have a past. We've all brought stuff into our relationship with Christ. And this is what Jesus does. He takes the past and he cleans it up through the cross. And so instead of trying to hide from the mistakes and choices that we made when we were younger, we should sometimes say, you know what? If those mistakes and choices can help somebody make a better choice now, then I will share with you my past. I will share with you my Hermes and my Hermes. And I will say, listen, this is what Christ has done for me. What a blessing that is. What a blessing it is to be able to have that, to be able to move forward and say, I'm not hiding from it. That's who I am. Now let's build on this and go one step further. Look at verse uh, 21. Verse 21, a very famous name that we use a lot, and there's a lot of people named this. Name Jason, Romans 16, verse 21. It says, Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, a Sapater, my countrymen greet you. The name Jason. 
Now, Jason's actually mentioned here in the Bible. We know a little bit of background about Jason. If you would, please turn to Acts 17. Acts 17. Hermes and Hermes, we have them talking about the past that they had. And we use the example of choices that we made that we try to hide where God says, I can use that. Let's talk about Jason here in Acts 17. What's his past look like? Acts 17. Let's go ahead and look here at verse 5. It says, But the Jews, who were not persuaded, became envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, gathering a mob, set all the city in uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Now, real quick side note, verse 6. This doesn't have to do with the lesson. Can you imagine if that's the insult the world would give you? You have turned the world upside down for Christ. What one of the greatest compliments you can do? is that you have turned your job, your work, your house upside down for the Lord. Amen to that. Verse 7, Jason has harbored them. And these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there's another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Jason's past. Well, we see what happened there. In verse 6, he was drug out from his home. He was threatened and attacked by a mob. You know what Jason's name means? His name means one who will heal. I find this interesting because, see, we have Hermes and Hermes that had the named after the gods that didn't change their name. And then we have Jason, one who will heal. Now, maybe you may not have the sordid past, but maybe there's some scars in your past, scars that you had no say in. Maybe you were not raised in the best childhood home and you are the classic example of dysfunctional of all dysfunctional. Maybe there was not some godly parentage around for your teenage years and you made some pretty bad choices. Maybe you got some scars in your past that you keep trying to hide and you don't want anybody to see. You don't want anybody to know what you've gone through. You don't want anybody to know what that first marriage was like. You don't want anybody to know about those choices. So you try to hide those scars as best as you possibly can. See, but Jason is one who will heal. And the way I see this is what? When somebody in the early church, maybe in the church at Rome, they get saved, and next thing you know, they're literally threatened. See, we live in a very blessed area right now where we don't have to worry about threats of violence for making a stand for Christ. We're very blessed that way. But that wasn't always the case, obviously. Can you imagine a couple thousand years ago, someone leaving their false deities and becoming a Christian? Their, their lives could have been threatened. Maybe there was somebody like that in the early church, and that's when the people at Rome said, hey, you what? You need to go talk to Jason. Why did I go talk to Jason? Because you need to hear his story. You need to hear his story about how he was drug out of his house and beaten for taking a stand for the Lord. See, here's the thing, is we try to hide those scars. We always try to hide the scars of our past, bad things that happened to us, bad choices we made. I don't want anybody to see it because I just want to present myself just calm, cool, and collect. I'm telling you right now, those scars that you try to hide are things that the Lord uses to help other people. I cannot stress that enough. You've heard us say out here numerous times in the book of Revelation, it talks about how Jesus, through all of eternity, is referred to as the lamb that was slain, which has led some people to believe that Christ will keep the scars of Calvary through all of eternity. Well, some of you have been scarred by choices you made or by what other people have done to you, and you don't want anybody to know. Maybe you need to let some people know about that. Maybe instead of hiding the difficulties you've gone through, maybe you need to be adjacent and being somebody that can help others heal. You can say, I've been through that. I love it when I get somebody from the community come in and they are just at the end of the rope and they say something like, I'm sure you've never heard anything like this with what I've gone through. And I usually can look them in the eye and say, yeah, I have. And I got a gal I want you to talk to out of church because she's been through what you've been through. Or there's some guy that comes in and says, no one's ever had as bad as I have. Well, you know what? I want you to meet some guy at church because I know the scars that he went through and I know what Christ has done for him now. See, that's a Jason. One that will heal. One that had the past that says, I can help people move forward now in their lives and in their marriages and their relationships. Because, yes, right now you may be in a state of marriage or life or whatever, 
where it's pretty messy and there's some scars. There's some Hermes and some Hermes going on. Isn't it neat to know that other people have gone through that and gotten through it? Using that as a segue, let's talk about our next name here. Look at verse 3 in Romans 16. One of my favorite people, couple I should say in the Bible, Priscilla and Aquila. Verse 3, it says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Priscilla and Aquila, married couple. And as far as I can tell, every single time Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned in the Bible, they're always mentioned in unity. Priscilla and Aquila. What a neat example of what marriage is supposed to be. What a neat example of two people becoming one and serving the Lord together. What a really neat thing. And that phrase there, my fellow workers, is actually the Greek word where we get our English word, synergy. The idea of two becoming one, working together. More effectively working together as a couple than what we could do separately. And just, Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned all over the place in the Bible. In 1 Corinthians 16, they're opening up their home to the church. They had a church meet in their home. In Acts 18, they had a guy by the name of uh, Barnabas that they brought in and they discipled him personally. What a neat couple. I tell you, what a blessing that is. And I, Dawn and I have looked at Priscilla and Aquila and there's been times in our marriage where I said, Lord, this is what I, I want us. I want us to have that Priscilla and Aquila. And my wife has always been such a blessing. She's always been willing to open up our house to people, maybe people new to the church. We've had studies in our home and said, hey, have them come over. There's been times in our uh, marriage where we've been able to take somebody who's maybe a little new in the faith or new to the church and say, hey, just come over and hang out. Just come over and hang out for a while. We want to be that Priscilla and Aquila that hopefully are a godly example of marriage and a godly example of saying, Lord, we will serve together you. What a neat blessing they are and what a neat example they are. What do their names mean? Aquila, the guy, his name means eagle. I like that. I think of that passage in Isaiah 40, 31, where it says that we shall mount up like wings of eagles. You think of somebody majestic. You think of somebody soaring. You think of somebody wise. When I think of Aquila, I think of he's the type of guy of, you know what? I don't know what to do, so I'm going to call Aquila. I'm sure he's got an answer. He's probably got a scripture. He, he, he probably will just say, no, let's pray about that. And he's the type of guy that when you talk to him, you just get off the phone, and you think, I feel better about this. I like Aquila. Priscilla, you know what her name means? Her name means ancient. Aquila liked older women. I don't know. I, so she was obviously older. First one to dye her hair. I don't know. But anyway, ancient. What, what's going a good route here? I'm assuming ancient means wisdom. Let's try to be polite to Priscilla. That she probably was that godly woman that had that wisdom. Priscilla and Aquila, to me, just remind me of that couple that in church where they just say, hey, we'll open our home to anybody. Hey, we see that person suffering. We'll go over there and try to talk. Priscilla and Aquila are the type of people that someone comes up later on and says, you know what? I always looked at them as my grandparents, even though they weren't. I always looked at them as another mom and dad that I never had growing up. That Priscilla and Aquila, what a neat, godly example of serving together, loving the Lord, and working together in all ways and all things. Boy, it'd be neat for the church to have more Priscilla and Aquilas. What a blessing that would be. Next guy I want to talk about here, and I like this guy, verse 23. Gaius, my host, and the host of the whole church greets you. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greets you and Quartus, a brother. I want to talk about Erastus. I like Erastus. His name means beloved. And the reason I like him is because look at what he does. He's the treasurer of the city. Now, I think this is important. And if you're with us Wednesday night, this is going to be a little bit of a repetition, but just please bear with us. Can you guys flip with me to Colossians 3? Colossians 3. I think Erastus is going to be one of those guys that you guys can probably relate to more than most. Because Erastus is a guy that's working a secular job. He's treasurer of the city. Now, I'm very blessed that I get to, as my full-time job, be in ministry and prepare lessons and pray with people, encourage people. What a blessing that is. But the vast majority of Christians are not going to be in full-time ministry. They're going to have a secular job and serve the Lord. And if you were not with us Wednesday, one of the things that we talked about, how in First Peter it says we're pilgrims and sojourners, that this is not our home. 
And we have the sheets back there, and if you want to grab it, I encourage you to get a copy of uh, Wednesday night, uh, last Wednesdays. Because we went through six different points about how, since this is not our home, we're under different standards. We're under different obligations as Christians than we are as the world. And one of the things was, we work for the Lord, not our employer. And this is the problem. Most people I run into have a tendency to forget this. You don't work for that company that you're going to go clock in and clock out. You serve the Lord. They are paying you to compensate you for the time that you give them. But ultimately, your job is serving Christ. And the reason you go into work is to be able to make money to pay for your mortgage and your bills, etc., to free you up to go spread the gospel. Too often we put too much of an emphasis on who we are at work. You serve the Lord. Here, look at Colossians 3, verse 22. Colossians 3, verse 22. It says, Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. I heard a pastor talk about this one time, how in... It seems to work that if you take the word bond servants and just really make it employees and make it masters to employers, you see the context of what we're talking about here. We're talking about work. Verse 23, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. You serve the Lord. You don't serve that company. You don't serve that business. You go in there and you work as if working for the Lord, not for man. So therefore, you do a good job. You work hard. You work diligently. You follow the rules. The Bible uses the word blameless. And you go in there and you do the best you can because you're serving the Lord Christ. This is what happens sometimes as Christians. We go into work. We're like, well, they don't treat me right, so why would I treat them right? You don't work for them. You work for the Lord. You're held to a different standard. Well, my boss. My boss is the whatever. Fill in the blank. Well, we just talked about in First Peter about even if your boss is harsh... Your witness is also respecting him or her. Well, they're not worthy of respect. Respect is given whether they're worthy of it or not. The Bible says we honor all, respect all, and love all. And see, and this is a convicting thing, but it comes down to is verse 24. You serve the Lord Christ. Whatever you do, you do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. It is difficult, and I know some of you have some very difficult jobs, difficult people you work with, and a lot of times people come into me and they say something to the fact of, um, I need to change jobs. Why? I'm the only believer on my shift. I sit there and I say, amen. What a light. What a witness. What an opportunity to share Christ. Usually they get really mad because that's not what they want to hear. But from my outside perspective, what a neat opportunity. You're the only believer on that entire shift. You're the only believer on your entire line. What an opportunity to spread the gospel. What an opportunity by your work ethic and by what you do to impact other people for Christ. A lot of times we don't like that. I just want to go in, I want to clock in, I want to clock out, and I want to go home. No. When you go clock in, you're on the clock for the Lord. It's a mission field. You serve the Lord Christ. And Erastus, he had a secular job. A lot of times people come up to me and they say something to the fact of, I really want to serve the Lord. Okay? So i really, I got to get rid of this job. I really want to get into ministry where I can really serve the Lord. You can serve the Lord in your, in your job. No, I want to really serve God. Oh, no, you're misunderstanding. When you go into work... You're serving the Lord. We're really blessed, just like when Jordan came up here. We're blessed to have people that are willing to go down to Mexico and be a light and a witness and go to Africa and go to Asia, etc. But if you work where you have non-believers, you work in a mission field. If you have unbelievers in your household, your household's a mission field. Erastus is a great example of a guy that had a secular job, but yet he's still serving God. And what a neat example that is for us to say, okay, Lord, I don't have to go raise support and leave the country necessarily for me to be in missions. I can be in missions wherever I'm at and realize I serve the Lord Christ every day when I go into work and I work heartily as if working for the Lord, not for man. What a great reminder that is to us. Which takes us to our next group of people here. Go back to Romans 16, please. 
We've talked about Hermes and Hermes. Mercury, the past. They're moving forward in the Lord. We've talked about um, Jason, the one who will heal, that had the past scars. Priscilla and Aquila, a great example of marriage. We talked about Erastus, having the secular job but still serving the Lord. Look here at verse 1. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister who is a servant of the church in Centuria. And also jump ahead, if you will, to verse 21. We get a chance to meet uh, Lucius, Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius. Now their names are really interesting here. Phoebe. Phoebe means radiant. Lucius means light or bright. Now I like these. First off, Lucius, we know a little bit of background about him. He seems to be the same guy mentioned in Acts 13.1 where he was a prophet and a teacher. But Phoebe being radiant, Lucius being bright and light. The verse that I thought of was this. It was Matthew 5.16. Therefore let your light so shine before men they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The reason we're here is supposed to be a light. Going back to talking about Erastus and at work, you're the only believer on the shift. It's a really dark place. And how bright your light must be to those non-believers. Maybe you're at home right now and you're the only believer in your household. How bright that light must be to those non-believers you live with. See, we're called to be Phoebe, radiant. We're called to be Lucius, light and bright. That's what God has called us to be. Christ said he was the light of the world. And then he went on later and said the light of the world is leaving. And then he said, you're the light of the world. Our purpose on this world is to shine for the Lord. And so therefore, when people come see us shining for the Lord, we point them right to Jesus Christ. That is why we're here. And so therefore, everything we do, be it at work our witness, be it serving at church, be it our marriage, be it our kids, we do everything we can through the power of the Lord to say, I want to shine for you and be a light for you and therefore point people towards Christ. I want to be Phoebe, who's radiant. I want to be Lucius, who's light and bright. I want those things to say, Lord, I'm pointing people towards you. Not by my power, not by my might, but by my witness. Hopefully people see me and see that I'm different. It goes back to our study we did on Wednesday night, that we are different as the world. We are a different group of people. And all those points, we make sure that we abstain from sin. We make sure our actions are honorable. We make sure we don't live the same lifestyle the world lives, not because we're better than them, but we're held to a different moral standard. We're held to different scriptural, spiritual guidelines. And so, therefore, we're going to look different. Parents, if you're raising your kids in a godlike manner, they are going to be different than the rest of the kids in society. We joked last week in Romans that uh, the Bible calls us a peculiar people. We're a little strange. We are. If you're going to live your marriage different, it's going to look different than the rest of your people that you hang out with. If you work differently, you're going to work differently because you're a Christian. We are going to be different because we're held to different moral standards and guidelines because we are a light and a witness. Now, for some people, that really upsets them. If at work you're supposed to take a 15-minute break and everybody else takes 20, you clock back in at 15, they're not going to like you. Why? Because you're making them look bad. If at work everybody else complains and whines about the boss and says all type of evil stuff against them, but you don't join in, they're not going to like you. Why? Because you make them look bad. Now, you're not trying to. You're held to a different standard. You're held to a different guideline. There's a different calling that we have. God has called us out of this world, and we're supposed to be different. So therefore, we're Phoebe. We're radiant. We're lucious. We're light. We're bright. We shine for Christ in all that we do and say. Which takes us to our last guy that we're going to talk about here in Romans 16, verse 11. Greet Herodian, my countrymen. Greet those who are of the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Narcissus. He's an interesting guy. Turn, if you will, with me to Proverbs 30. Now, as I've been sharing you what their names mean, when I first looked up Narcissus and his name, I thought, this name can't mean what it says. So then I looked up a different source. First source says this, as you're going to Proverbs 30, and I'm not making this up. The name Narcissus, his name means stupidity. That's what his name means. I don't know what type of kid he was. I don't know what he did as a kid to be named that, but his name means stupidity. Now, I thought that seems harsh. So I looked in a different source, 
And a different source put his name like this, stupefaction. <laughs> I thought that sounded nicer. The next time your boss is very ignorant at work, he has a case of stupefaction. That's a biblical term. You're allowed to use that. Here's the point. Something about this guy. Stupidity. Stupefaction. Of all the people we mentioned, he's the one I can relate to the most. Because I look at myself as a Christian, and I say, Lord, that's me. I don't got it figured out. Lord, I, 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 I have a case of stupefaction. Look here at Proverbs 30, and I've joked about this, but I really do mean this. This is my life verse, verse 2 of Proverbs 30. Surely I am more stupid than any man. I do not have the understanding of a man. I have neither learned wisdom nor have the knowledge of the Holy One. And then what happens there, this guy, Agur, goes for the rest of Proverbs 30, and he says, well, who's God? He's not saying who's God like he's questioning. He's saying, as a man, who am I to figure out who God is? And when we went through Proverbs, one of the points we said is there's wisdom in knowing you don't know everything. And right here, verse 2, I am more stupid than any man. I do not have the understanding of a man. I accept that. I know what I know, and I know what I don't know. And there's a lot of wisdom in knowing that you don't know everything. So I look at this guy, narcissist, that stupidity, stupefaction. Actually, real quick interesting point. His name in the original Greek is where we get our English word narcotics. Is this idea of almost being in a dazed stupor. That's the description of this guy here. And there's a lot of times in life that's the way I feel. It's like, Lord, I don't even know what's going on. I'm just surviving. Isn't it neat to know that the Lord still uses you? Even though we're all narcissists, stupidity, stupefaction, God still says, I want to use you. Boy, we really don't know what we're doing a lot of times. Last Sunday, I had an interesting situation pop up. I was coming out to church for the first service. Got about three quarters of a mile from home, my car broke down. So I called Dawn up. It's a little after eight. I said, happy Mother's Day. Can you come pick me up, please? So she came, picked me up, got out here to church, made it for the first service in time to teach, and I had to sneak home real quick, grab her, and bring her and the boys back. So my car is broken down, so it's tough to get it fixed. So I don't know a whole lot, but I kind of thought it sounds like it's either a fuel filter or a fuel pump. That was my guess. So went to town, got the fuel filter, got the fuel pump. Brother-in-law Brian was nice enough to contact me and say, hey, I can come over and help you change the fuel filter. Let's change the fuel filter first. Hopefully that's what it is. And I always correct people. When they say something like, I'll come over to help you, I'll say, I just want to let you know, I'm not doing anything. So when you say come over to help, you're not, you're not coming over to help. You're coming over to do it because I don't know what I'm doing. So Brian comes over, and God bless him. He gets under the car, and he tries taking the fuel filter off, and it's, it's tight. I mean, the, the car is old. It's, it's rusted. It's tough. And so he goes, why don't you take a shot at it? So I crawled under there. I have no idea what I'm doing. I take the wrench and just hit some metal, and I say, boy, it is tight, Brian. It's really tight. <laughs> so we didn't have the right size of wrench. It was metric, and so we called up Russ. And Russ came over, and Russ worked at it. Russ said, why don't you let a farmer take a shot at it? So... So Russ, Russ gets under it, and uh, Russ gets the filter off, and then Brian and him are under the car, you know, working at it, talking at it. So I lay down there, kind of look like I'm doing something, and I'm really just playing with rocks. Um, so I finally feel like I should do something. They're underneath the car. So this is me being stupid. I decide as a father, the only thing I can do, I'm offering two grown men, it's like, hey, I'll go get popsicles for everybody. <laughs> so I go get popsicles for all the kids. Because Russ brought over uh, Reagan and Ryan. I give them popsicles, give my kids popsicles. I'm eating a popsicle while they're working on my car. I put Brian and Russ's popsicle on top of the car, on the hood. And so they're working on it, and all of a sudden, Russ goes, something is dripping on my leg. And I, and I what is going on? So I look, here the red and green popsicle completely melted, and it's just dripping on Russ's leg. It's covered in red and green popsicle. So when I look at this verse right here, surely I'm more stupid than any man. I completely get that and understand that. I have a case of stupefaction. 
But the neat thing is, God still says, James, I'm going to let you leave that house. He still says, James, I'm going to let you raise those five boys in Christ. James, I'm still going to let you be the pastor. Wow. And you know why he lets me do that? Because he realizes it's not me. See, here's the thing. If you still think it's you, well, you don't know. To be quite honest, I'm going to be blunt. If you still think it's you and you're responsible, then you're the stupid one. Because wisdom is saying it's not me. Wisdom is saying there's no way that I could be a pastor, be a husband, and be a father. There's no way I can do this, Lord. This is beyond my capabilities and abilities. And so therefore, I have to cling to you, Lord, and you, through your spirit, is going to have to give me the power, the might, and strength to do this. See, when I look at narcissists here, I see somebody that God says, I will use you in spite of you. Now, he didn't say he needed them. In no way whatsoever does God need a Hermes or Hermes or Priscilla Aquila. God does not need any of us. He just chooses to use us because he loves us. So I don't care what state you are right now in life. You have the sword past. Fine, you're a Hermes and a Hermes. You move forward in Christ Jesus. Let's go on. Serve the Lord. Let's say that you're uh, Jason. You've been scarred by people left and right in your life. Hey, God will use those scars to witness to other people. You know, maybe you're in the Priscilla and Aquila phase of your marriage where you really could have a blessing to other people going through difficult times in their life in marriage. Maybe you're Erastus. You work the secular job. You know what? That's a mission field. God bless you. Go serve. Be a Phoebe. Be a Lucius. Be a light. Be bright. But you know what? We're all the narcissists. We all We all have a case of stupefaction. And God still says, I'm going to use you because I love you and want to. I, I don't care what you're going through. There is never a reason or excuse where God says, I can't use you. Because he will give you the Holy Spirit. He will right the wrongs through what he did on the cross. And he will say, I can use you. I love that passage in Philippians where it says, He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. We're all works in progress. We're all works in progress. And the Lord can use any of us in any way because it's him doing the work, not us. And that's what I get out of Romans 16. I see 30 different names of people. And I don't know a lot of their backgrounds. I don't know a lot of their history. But I know that there are probably a church a lot like us, dysfunctional at best. But yet God still says, I can use you to spread the gospel. And as we read in the book of Acts through Jason, turn the world upside down for Christ. That'd be a pretty cool thing to do. Marvin Kelly, if you can come forward here for the final song. We'll finish up Romans 16 next week. We'll get into our verse-by-verse study of that. Just some quick reminders. Sign-up sheet back there in the back for car care ministry coming up next Saturday. Sign-up sheet for Belmore. Sign-up sheet for the girls' night out. Lots of events coming up. We're starting up Mom's Group here. And note the date change on that one more time. We'll get that up on the website. Uh, new Bible study coming up Friday here. A lot of neat things going on. BBS meeting immediately following church here also. And one last quick reminder. I just want to do a quick plug. We do Wednesday nights a little bit different than Sundays. We like to hand out study sheets. We do question and answer. A little bit different feel. Just a uh, quick FYI, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3 coming up this Wednesday. And 1 Peter 3 gets into the role of the husband and wife. And if that's something that would uh, interest you, be it whether your marriage is in a good spot, a bad spot, or you're not even in the marriage spot yet. Even if you're single, there's a lot of great points that come out of that. I just want to encourage you and give you an opportunity to let you know we're going to be getting into marriage here this coming Wednesday and hope that's something that may bless you guys. So without much further ado, we'll get over to Marvin Kelly for the final song and let you guys